Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. You know, it amazes me. We just keep hearing, even friends of mine on radio, friends of mine on TV, unless Trump shows uh, 100,000 or so, you know, ballots that can be switched. It's got to give it up. Just got to have the evidence, the evidence, the evidence not there. You don't have the evidence, the evidence doesn't get it. Are these people looking at these lawsuits where they're trying to get them to the Supreme Court equal protection violations that affect God knows how many ballots? I have no idea. But a lot. Equal protection arguments taken right out of the 14th Amendment and right out of Bush versus Gore. The fact that some state courts or federal district judges, even appellate courts may reject them, although I haven't heard many appellate courts get involved yet. That's not the final say. I would never want these lawyers or these radio hosts or these TV commentators representing me if I'm accused of anything. Would you, Mr. Producer? That's unbelievable to me. You see lawyers who fight to the end in death penalty cases where you go, wait a minute, that guy's guilty. These lawyers, it's unless you can show me 100,000 ballots that'll switch, there's pointless. And I've already said, you know, months ago, weeks ago, that, that does, there, there's no avenue here. Really? Maybe there isn't. But it would be nice to hear from the Supreme Court at least once, right? Deadlines are coming. November 23rd, there's a November 23rd deadline. What they're not telling you is those are statutory deadlines, but still... Congress has the final say. And so states need to be very careful when they're certifying votes. If there's still serious pending lawsuits, if there's still serious questions about the manner in which votes were taken, that's why Congress counts the votes and has the final say. 
So there's a lot more here than these commentators are saying. Now, that said, it's an uphill battle. I got it. But a lot of battles are uphill battles. And win, lose, or draw, you fight the battle. They keep saying there aren't enough votes, there aren't enough votes in the system. Georgia is very tight. Now we're going to have a recount in some of the uh, counties uh, in and around Milwaukee. Uh, that's very tight. It's 20,000 votes. Pennsylvania is a big issue. They, they were waiting for the Supreme Court on that issue. So what is Trump supposed to do today? Say, you know what? We Even though we see them finding ballots in Georgia, I'm going to drop that. Even though there's a few counties in Milwaukee that concern us, I'm going to drop that. And even though the Supreme Court may, I say may, take up one or two of our cases out of Pennsylvania, I'm going to drop that too. Now, why would he do that? Why would he do that? Moreover, there's a moral issue here. We have elections going forward. This has to be fixed. And we need the Supreme Court to put its foot down. And they blow off this Dominion voter issue. I sent this to a couple of my friends at Fox. The list is getting smaller and smaller. Nonetheless, on the news side, and I said, hey, NBC, the New York Times... The public broadcasting system, the Canadian broadcasting system, all have done stories on troubles or concerns with the Dominion voting system and systems like it. And by the way, Democrats wrote letters to these companies and to companies that fund these companies also raising concerns about it. And the latest concern raised by PBS with a seven or eight minute segment on it was October 26th. Where is everybody on this? Oh, well, that's just, you know, can you prove, can you prove that it's problematic? They need the ability, ladies and gentlemen, let me put it to you this way. The Trump campaign doesn't have the power to go knock on the door at a state election board or the secretary of state and say, hey, can we look and look at the at the Dominion voting system they have? Go to hell. And they shut the door. Now, if you're a former litigator or you're a serious lawyer, whether you're on radio or TV, can't you explain that to the public? That they don't have independent subpoena power, that the government doesn't have to listen to a damn thing they say. And you keep demanding evidence. Where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? The evidence is this is a, a, a problematic system. That's been reported on by the media repeatedly as recently as October 26th. We've seen some evidence of this with 6,000 votes going the wrong way. But we have Democrat secretaries of state, not in every state, obviously, Democrat governors, some Republicans who won't let them look. And so they're going to court. They want to look. So stop saying, where's the evidence? Where's the evidence on Dominion voting? When they're trying to get the information, but you can't even get, of course, there's, there's a reason to look. It's incredible. And then they keep telling us the cyber security chief resigned, and he said a week or 10 days ago, shortly after the election, that this was the, the most secure election in American history. He's, American history? How does he know that? 
So you see, ladies and gentlemen, four years ago, the Russians were involved and they elected Donald Trump. This time, because they say Biden is the winner, because they say Biden, the Russians had no interest. Chinese had no interest, North Koreans, the Iranians. Most secure election in American history. Were they not telling us a month ago? Did the FBI director not tell us a month ago that the Russians were trying to get involved to help Biden against Trump? Did we not learn from the attorney general, the Department of Justice, a month ago that the Chinese were trying to get into our system to help Biden? All of a sudden, none of that happened. It's just like the post office. Day after day, you heard stories and the Democrats coming out how Donald Trump was sabotaging the post office. So the mail-in ballot, the mail-in voting that the Democrats were pushing at a massive scale, that there'd be all kinds of postal problems with it. Have you heard of any postal system problems? President's not raising any. The Trump campaign litigation's not raising. That was a lie. The Russia collusion was a lie. The Postal Service stuff was a lie. Dominion voting problems, that's not a lie. They've had problems in the past. They have ties to the Venezuelan communist regime. They had ties to Hugo Chavez, who specifically used the system to fix the outcome of the election. Do you have proof? Do you have proof? Do you have evidence? Far more information than we had on Russia collusion that resulted in a criminal investigation. So don't lecture me, radio hosts. Don't lecture me. TV commentators and former federal uh, judge uh, uh, prosecutors. It's pathetic. Pathetic. Pfizer, 95%. They've moved it up from 90% to 95%. Edging out another pharmaceutical company in terms of the, the efficacy of their vaccine, 95%. And they said they're ready to go in a few days to the FDA to get emergency clearance. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? 15, 16 days after the election, Moderna, 94.5, Pfizer, 95%. They're ready to go before the end of the year. They're ready to go in December. And we had to hear over and over again from Joe Biden and his people and the Democrats, including governors like Cuomo the dummy, that this was all politicized, that Trump was trying to get this done really too fast. I even asked him about when I interviewed him. You ever hear anything like this? Trump's trying to actually save lives, not watch people die with masks on. For what now? The seventh, eighth, ninth day in a row, I'll say the same thing. How can we have such an upsurge in this virus when more and more people, almost all people, are wearing masks? Well, they won't answer that, will they? The great scientists. Wear masks. I mean, a hundred years ago, they could have told you that. But science has come so far with the bureaucracy. All of these vaccines that are coming about, the Trump administration provided capital for almost all of them, offered it to all of them, and has also paid for 
the production of the vaccines, the syringes for the vaccines, the canisters that carry the vaccines, uh, the transport of the vaccines in, 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 the, in freezer trucks and, and so forth. This has already been plotted out, all of it. And so now they attack Trump because he won't coordinate with Biden now. So Biden has spent a year trying to undermine the whole approach that Trump has been taking to get vaccines and therapeutics because he said, look, that's the only way we're going to save lives. We can wear masks till we're blue in the face. We can shut down all of our businesses until we become a third world republic. But we need to, we need to treat people and we need to protect them from the virus. That was always his priority. And he was always attacked for it. Always attacked for it. And now what they're trying to do, I saw Jake Tapper on CNN. This guy really is a sleazeball of the highest order. He's not alone, of course. With Fauci, who is a media whore. And they're going back and forth like ping pong players. Isn't it important that the Trump administration coordinate, have a transition with the Biden administration? Incoming, of course. And of course, we know what CNN tried to do to Trump when he was running when he was elected, and when he was sworn in. Immediately part of the, the mob that was trying to destroy the president. There was no transition. But here's the dirty little secret you need to know. The fact of the matter is, the same bureaucrats, the same bureaucrats who've been directed, the same military personnel who've been directed by this president, to do certain things to ensure that the vaccine is delivered, and that there's a process in place, will be there when Joe Biden takes over. All the hard work's been done. All the hard work has been done. The development, the funding mechanisms, the testing in coordination with the Trump administration, the decisions about who's going to first get the vaccines, efforts and funding being made, so it's possible that every single American who wants to have the vaccine will have the vaccine, by April, unimaginable, except the president kept saying it and he was interrupted repeatedly by reporters. Fauci didn't do this. Let me repeat, Fauci didn't do this. Trump and his administration more generally did this. Much more when I return. I'll be right back. in. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com.
Andrew Hitt is the chairman of the Republican Party of Wisconsin. And he just tweeted out, breaking. Wisconsin Elections Commission, after seeing President Trump's recount petition and objections, is trying to change the recount manual at an emergency meeting tonight at 6 p.m., so it's going on now, to make objections harder to make. This must be stopped. This is what I mean. You have conservatives on TV and radio. You have Republicans. Let's get it over. We get it. This is corruption, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care if there's no votes involved in this. This is corruption. Pure and simple. They want to be rolled by the Democrat Party or party or rolled by Republicans within the Republican Party. I mean, the American people, in this case, the people of Wisconsin, have to know that this process is a legitimate one. We have to put Humpty Dumpty back together again after the Democrats spent all year breaking eggs all over the place with scores of lawsuits. I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very serious what's taking place in this country. On the one hand, they say, hey, everyone has the right to vote. But if you have corruption and the officials involved, whether they're judges or justices on a Supreme Court like Pennsylvania or justices on the U.S. Supreme Court that pretend nothing's happening and ignore uh, a provision of the Constitution or governors can run roughshod over state legislatures or bureaucrats can make changes to undermine a president of the United States who's following the rules, coughing up $3 million to have recounts in certain of the counties, and then they... Wisconsin Elections Commission, I don't know this firsthand, it's based on this tweet by Andrew Hitt, chairman of the Republican Party of Wisconsin, decide to make changes after the fact. What are we supposed to do here? Oh, let's get it over with? Let's unite? Where's the transition to help Joe? What kind of BS is this? Wherever they've had problems with mail-in votes, wherever they've had problems with these, this Dominican, uh, Dominion machine and so forth, They've changed. Canada now has paper ballots, period. They won't even use the machine where the headquarters is based in Canada. Most of the countries in industrialized Europe will not tolerate mail-in votes at all. Some of them just for military. That's it. We are expanding mail-in ballots. Why? Why? Because we're institutionalizing corruption. So only one party can win. Now, how do I know that? How do I know that commentators on radio and TV? Because look at California, a one damn party state where people are trying to escape. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto 
come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. Mark Levin, simply the smartest man on radio. And you can call him 877-381-3811. Daniel Horowitz is one of the great writers over at uh, Blaze. Daniel Horowitz, you looked at uh, a couple of counties outside of Georgia. What did you find in, in the Georgia statistics? You really dug in deeply. Well, it's great to be back with you. And to quote Joe Biden in 2000 during the Gore-Bush fight, um, does it pass the smell test? And, and it... Hmm. Did we just lose him? We lost him at the smell test. I saw Carl Rove with his whiteboard, I think it was yesterday, the day before, telling us that the numbers, there were no anomalies in the numbers in these big cities. Uh, they were very close, very similar votes. So I want Daniel to come on here, and maybe Carl's looking at the wrong places. Wouldn't be the first time. Probably won't be the last time. Have we lost him forever, Mr. Producer? We're trying to get him back. All right. So the bottom line is Daniel looked at some of these counts, and he said there are anomalies here. Something isn't right here. Go ahead, Daniel. Pick up where you left off on the smell test. Sure. So you look at these counties like DeKalb and Fulton County around Atlanta, and what you find is the following dynamic in about five of those counties, where the population has grown. What is going on, Rich? (laughs) Well, this is a hell of a way to conduct an interview. Man, our technology sucks on this, this network. I'm just being honest with you whether it's phone calls or whether it's having a phone call, discussion with somebody, I can never be 100% sure. I can just never be 100% sure. Let me see if I can find his article here as we do live and, uh, and national. And, of course, I can't. If you could see this mess here, you'd understand. What he's finding is that the number of votes that are coming out of some of these counties make no sense. And you have enormous votes for Biden, many more votes than you had for Obama, many more votes than you had for Clinton. Maybe try a different line, Rich. Maybe we can get him on a different line. Okay. And it makes no sense. Now, this article by Daniel Horowitz, and and he's not the only one who make points like this. It's just in one ear and out the other with the massive media. So I have an idea for these lockdowns. Why don't the media show us how to do it? Lock down CNN, lock down MSNBC, lock down so many of these media places that have never suffered from lockdowns the way so much of the rest of the economy has. Maybe that's the way to do it. Maybe that's the way we can actually get some facts out. I'm going to move on until we get Daniel back, if we get Daniel back. Okay? Sorry, folks. All I'm doing is running a national radio show. One last try. Daniel, one last try. All righty, Mark. Uh, sorry about that. I don't know if this is the Dominion software. All right. We don't um, have time for jokes. We may lose you again. Jump right into your article. Sure. So what we're seeing is that Biden's share of the vote grew by 35 to 46 percent in these counties. When the Let population me slow you down. Only- Carl Rove was on TV the other day with his whiteboard, and he said, look, Atlanta, the numbers aren't that different from, with, uh, from the past election with Hillary Clinton or Obama. He's going through Philadelphia. You're looking at these outside counties around these cities, and you're saying, 
Oh, yes, there are marked changed changes, right? There absolutely are. For example, in Gwinnett County, uh, you know, Biden got 241,000 votes. Uh, Obama only got 129,000 in 2008. And remember, Obama had a very sophisticated ground game. Uh, he very much excited the African-American base in a lot of these metro counties. Uh, so why no is our friend Carl pretending that there's, there's not these anomalies? Well, I think what they're counting on is the fact that a lot of the Georgia suburbs have soured on Republicans in recent years. But here's the problem with that. If you look at Trump's vote total, it did go up slightly. He did not slide back. So there's no evidence of crossover, of this massive crossover. What there is evidence of is an insane expansion of the electoral pie. So just to be clear, you're saying... Trump didn't lose votes, just there was this massive outpouring for Joe Biden. Exactly. Trump actually gained a little bit. We all agree across the board it was a higher turnout election than last election, and maybe even the ones before that. But when we're talking about a 46% increase for Biden's share of the vote versus Hillary in Gwinnett County, and we're finding these similarities elsewhere, but we're not seeing this anywhere else in the country where Biden didn't need to win. Now, you do have areas in the country where from one election to another, there's a radical swing. So, for example, in the Rio Grande Valley in southern Texas, Trump flipped certain counties or swung them by 30, 40 percentage points. But the evidence there demonstrates that it was crossover. It was predominantly Hispanic voters that were sick of the Central American uh, invasion there, and they switched to vote Republican. Here, we're not seeing it coming out of Trump. We're seeing an entirely new electorate that somehow Obama never discovered. In the inner suburbs, around Atlanta, all of a sudden you have, what did you say, 40%? 46 percent in Gwinnett County, uh, 35 percent more in DeKalb, and, and in pretty much in all of them, the same story in the 30s and 40s. And is this over Clinton or Obama or both? Both. O- over, over all of them. And, and, and here's another way well, to I look like at to it. I would like to know how Karl Rove explains that. Well, Go here's ahead. another way to look at it. If you look at the entire pie, so the population did grow since the 2008 election. So, so Obama won... 35% uh, or 36% of the electorate or the entire population in DeKalb County. So if you take the entire population of every human being living there, 36% of them voted for Obama, 40% of them voted for Biden. Again, o- Obama had a sophisticated ground game. Uh, the, uh, the concern here is that Biden maybe had a sophisticated underground game. What do you think happened? Well, what I think happened is this. The mail-in ballots obviously is where most of the fraud always has been. The, the Carter-Baker Commission recognized that even before we had mass mail-in ballots. Let's be clear about this. The Carter-Baker Commission warned in 2005 about mail-in ballots. You had media organizations in the past from the New York Times and others warning about mail-in ballots you had security people in the past warning about mail-in ballots, and all of a sudden, mail-in ballots are fine. 
You even had the Washington Post in August published an article uh, talking about mail-in fraud during the 1864 election with McClellan. I mean, everyone knew that this was a problem. And in the lead-up to the election, all of the liberal blogs were uh, complaining, the New York Times complained about this, that Biden's going to have a bunch of votes thrown out because you have all these first-timers that aren't used to filling out uh, absentee ballots that are going to make mistakes. And last time around in 2016, 6.4% of mail-in ballots in Georgia were rejected. And that's, that's not a, we're not hoping for that. That's just natural. This year, it was 0.2%. So that's about, you so know. So two-tenths of 1% versus almost 6.5%. And you have more, way more people using mail-in ballots. And you have places in the country, not just in, in uh, Georgia, using mail-in ballots that aren't even used to using mail-in ballots. Now, something doesn't smell right. So you'll hear commentators, Daniel Horowitz, say, well, bring us the evidence and show us that it's going to change the vote. Is that how this works with individuals who don't have subpoena power? Aren't they doing exactly what they're supposed to do, bring lawsuits, try and do discovery, but the courts in many cases are shutting them down? Well, that's exactly what Joe Biden told Delaware media 20 years ago. He said, look, you know, at the end of the day, they, meaning Gore, wants to know, is it fair? Does it pass the smell test? And they believe that that took a certain judicial process. And the bottom line with mail-ins is that unless you have someone going through and verifying the qualification of each one, you're not going to discover um, any insidious acts of, of third-party ballot harvesters with forged signatures or addresses that are wrong or people who moved out of the state, that's not something you're going to get with just an automatic recount. And shouldn't the people know that most of the chaos here is a direct result of the Democrat Party and the Biden campaign and their surrogates bringing litigation for months and months and months and creating havoc in these various states? It, what's funny is Chris Wallace, during the first debate, actually made that point and said we might not know who won the election for many, many days. Everyone understood that whether you agreed with it or not, once the Democrats placed a significant portion of the electorate on mail-in ballots, this was just going to be a different election and it would take longer. And now, after the election, they just look at us like we're from Mars and say, hey, it's over with. Uh, shouldn't we know who's... Who's the winner? What is this business of taking so long? But they're the ones who made that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. There's only one party that goes in the court or has a secretary of state or a, 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 a board of elections that seeks to, and in fact, in many cases, does eliminate signature requirements, signature comparison requirements, uh, postal dating, extends counting uh, wants to expand the earlier, the earlier you vote, the better you vote, the later you count, the better it is. In other words, trying to take all the, the, the protective safeguards out of the process and push more and more people away from in-person voting where you have serious safeguards. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense, but what this broader concern about election fraud really portends is what I call governing fraud which is what, what Justice Alito warned about last week in a speech, that we've never seen a period of time where so much is being decided through executive fiat. And we're seeing this with the COVID regulations as well, but it's the same process that they used, used to change the electoral process, as well as the same pretext 
It's funny how COVID is an excuse to suspend liberty. It's an excuse to let out criminals. And it's also an excuse to upend our electoral process. You know, near the uh, end of the program, in the third hour, we're going to have Professor Lessig on the program. Ever hear of Harvard Law Professor Lessig? Brilliant man. It's a brilliant man who wrote a USA Today piece. He's, he's a leftist, but he's an honest man, or he tries to be. State legislatures do not have the power to veto the p- people's choice in an election. Now, that's an interesting argument, but I have never said the state legislatures should appoint their own electors. I agree with where Alito is, and I've been saying this for months. Those who cast a ballot under the election laws that were in place, as passed by the state legislatures, are casting constitutional ballots. That's what should decide whose electors go into the Electoral College and vote. You can't have rogue courts, rogue secretaries of state, rogue governors, rogue uh, uh, state board of elections making decisions at the last minute. And by the way, he argues correctly, November 3rd is the date. That's the date set by law for when elections are to occur. Okay, I agree with that. All these changes going on about counting votes later and no signatures and no postal dates, they apparently don't agree with that, correct? No, absolutely. And unfortunately, not all brilliant men uh, understand the Constitution. And I think you just laid out both the constitutional argument, but also the, the statutory argument that federal law on this began in 1845, sets the election day uh, for that first Tuesday, which this year is November 3rd. And you cannot count ballots that are not pursuant to law. So what's funny is how they don't seem to have a problem when courts step in, when governors or secretaries of state step in, but somehow the legislative body, which is most representative of the people, but also vested with the most constitutional authority over this process, somehow they have nothing. They have no authority whatsoever. And, and like you said, we're not the ones that broke the system or are trying to override it. We're trying to rectify it and say, look, if the state legislatures were cut out of this process at the front end, so it's their job to fix it at the back end. And otherwise, that provision is utterly meaningless in the Constitution, isn't it? It certainly is, and, and plenary authority is a very strong word that the courts have used in the past to describe the state legislature's uh, uh, power. And, and I would argue that in, a, in an academic way, they actually could veto it. I mean, they actually could do that. That's not Absolutely what could. It wasn't what I was arguing, because we know. Yeah. he says no. He says, oh, that violates this, and, uh, you know, and the electors, you, you can't have electors changing their, their positions, and I argue that, and the, it has nothing to do with anything, you know. When you have to go down that route, you've already lost the argument, if you know what I mean. Exactly. And again, the court, as I said last time in 1892, said explicitly, the Supreme Court, that this power uh, holds weight regardless of whatever state law or state Supreme Court has said. Um, You know, for example, if states want to say, you know what, we're going to allocate the electors based on congressional district like Nebraska and Maine do, every state could do that. Um, they, they could do that. I mean, that is their power. The courts have said that. But what, what we've seen with the left is they only like the precedent um, from the past that they agree with. So it's very decisive unless they disagree with it. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend. I want to thank you very, very much. And uh, keep it up. It's very important. Take care. God bless. God, take care. God bless. We'll be right back. 
Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, Levin for Hillsdale.com. All right, I wanted to talk about this very quickly. Some of these ideas popping around, like getting rid of student debt. Getting rid of student debt. So people go in and they get debt. Some of them get a lot of debt. And some of the people who get that really aren't even applying the money to their college or university education. Sometimes they'll buy cars. Sometimes they'll pay off bills. There have been stories written about this in the past, a ton of them. But whatever, whatever. The goal here constantly on the left is to eliminate accountability and responsibility. So now we owe people who went to college, even people who went to Ivy League colleges, whatever. Now we owe them the American taxpayer, we owe them somehow. We weren't there when they took out the loan. They didn't ask our permission, and now it's on our shoulders. So they're cost-shifting to you and me. Now, many of you went to college, as did I, and you paid your way, or you found a way to pay your way, or your parents paid your way, or you went on scholarship, whatever it was. Many of you worked down the debt, paid off your debt, fine. Two-thirds of the people in this country never went to or graduated from a four-year college program. And so many of them earn less than the people who actually went to college. That's the statistics. So people who earn less will be paying off the loans of people who now earn more and who took those loans on their own. Now, nobody's paying off your car loans. Nobody's paying off your mortgage. Nobody's paying off all your loans. Why are they doing this? Why is this a special debt that you and I are supposed to pay? I will explain this because there's a reason for this. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. So Professor Lessing, Lawrence Les- Lessig, rather, wrote this piece from Harvard Law School, and I want to talk to him about it. USA Today, it's picked up Bowser, but he's not the only one. This has been done scores of times. If you listen to this show, you know 
I have to keep calling them out one after another after another, but it's time to have a chat about this. Now, why are the Democrats and Biden and the Marxists and the neo-Marxists so focused on student loans, ladies and gentlemen, as opposed to any other loan? There's a couple of very important reasons. Number one, they consider young people to be a huge part of the Democrat Party voting base. A constituent group, and if you'll notice their proposals, whether it's unions or whatever it is, their proposals are always aimed at enriching, strengthening, giving special privileges, protecting the various entities within their base at the expense of the various entities that are not in their base. So redistribution of wealth, you've never seen redistribution of wealth, Mr. Producer, from Democrats to Republicans, have you? Ever. From Democrat base groups to Republican base groups, you've never seen that. And so the Democrats use power to expand their power. The Republicans are utterly clueless. Utterly clueless. So that's why they're not talking about any other loans. That's number one. Number two, always in the context of eliminating student loans, whether it's 10000 or 50000 or all of them, is discussion about free college. Everybody should have a free higher education, free college. Why is that? So they can indoctrinate more young people. That's why. These are indoctrination mills. That's not to say you don't learn other things. Like engineering and science and literature and so on. But, but in the end, they become indoctrination mills. The Soviet Union is dead, but the remnants of the Soviet Union live on our college campuses. Conformity which means lack of diversity uh, when it comes to intellectualism, lack of academic freedom, lack of free speech. You know, it is really a safe haven for totalitarianism in many respects. So this is very, very important to understand. So they want free college. So not only are you paying off student debt by individuals who on their own voluntarily decided to take on this debt, and many of whom make more than you do, They want more indoctrination of the next generation through a faculty that is tenured, a faculty that is protected, and a faculty that's not just left-wing, they're radical in many, if not most, of our universities and colleges. So more indoctrination mills. You've never, ever seen Democrats like Biden or Sanders or Harris or any of them complain about the expense of college or what we're paying professors or the massive empires the administrators build. All you hear them talk about is free college, just like you'll never hear them complain about the trial lawyers and how they drive up costs and destroy businesses and so forth because they're a major element of the Democrat base. They help fund the Democrat Party, which is why you'll never hear about 
individual employees having a right to determine whether or not they should belong to a union. Biden's already said he's thinking of the head of the teachers union of the AFT as the head of the Department of Education. He wants to blow out virtually every alternative to government schools. Now, he's not doing that because he believes in education. He's doing that because he believes in power and the Democrat Party. They always wrap up their agenda in some kind of people's movement. The communists do that, too. The Democrats have learned. So, indoctrination mills, a huge transfer of wealth, buying a new constituency group, the next generation. This is why they're focused almost exclusively on wiping out student loans and free college. They want more than 34% of the population to go to college, not because they believe in education, they believe in indoctrination. They believe in the 1619 Project. They believe in the teaching of neo-Marxism. That, that's, that's what Sanders believes in. And AOC and the rest of them. This is why they believe what they believe. Now it also happens that a couple of these maniacs actually would benefit from this. Fox Business. Megan Henney. The Daily Wire managing editor, Cabot Phillips, the four progressive congresswomen known as the Squad, have been some of the most vocal advocates pushing Joe Biden to cancel the student loan debt during his first hundred days in office. And they would be among the dozens of members of Congress to financially benefit from such a policy. Fifty-nine members of Congress reported owing student loans in their latest financial disclosure public last year including representatives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib. Collectively, the 59 lawmakers with student loans owe a debt of $2.4 million. At a minimum, they should not be free to vote on this as it benefits them. At a minimum, whatever cockamamie law they come up with, if they come up with one or executive order, if dimwitted Biden, God forbid, becomes president of the United States, members of Congress should be excluded, as should the Biden family, as should the Harris family. Both Ocasio-Cortez and Omar reported owing between 15000 and 50000 in student loans. Tlaib reported owing between 50000 and 100000 in law school loans. Representatives for the three congresswomen did not respond to Fox. Ocasio-Cortez, who graduated from Boston University, has frequently spoken about her financial struggles before she started receiving her congressional salary of 174000 a year. Omar, who graduated from North Dakota State University, has also discussed being a millennial with student debt. The congresswomen are among a bevy of progressive voices urging Biden to use an executive action. Cancel student low date, which has doubled over the past decade to $1.7 trillion. Now, many of these universities, particularly in the Ivy Leagues, have these massive endowments, multiple billions of dollars. I think Harvard's is like $35 billion, give or take. It might be $40 billion. So what are they coming to us for? What are they coming to you and me for? And they call the cancellation of the student debt 
equitable. What's equitable about it? Chuck Schumer and Elizabeth Warren have urged Biden, should he become president, to bypass Congress and cancel billions of dollars in student loan debt with an executive off order. You know, it's amazing to me. There are executive orders and there are executive orders. Executive orders cannot substitute for legislation. We've talked about this the last four years. Many of you have called me and asked about it when the president uses executive orders. When the president uses executive orders, he's instituting existing law or he's interpreting law. To institute an executive order that wipes out student loan debt, which puts you and me on the, on the, on the hook for it, that's not interpreting law or applying your view of the law. That is creating law. It's like DACA. It's like DACA. These guys talk about following the law and Trump's a dictator. Look, look how they conduct themselves. So they have a self-interest, many of them, in getting rid of the student loan debt. They have a political interest in buying off another constituency group and indoctrinating as many of your children as possible. And they're never going to require these colleges and universities to slash their spending. So it's more affordable to get a college education in any event. We should oppose this every step of the way. It's immoral on every level. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, one day only sale. Wouldn't you rather just work with a company who puts you on a pedestal every day? That's what you get with Pure Talk, a veteran-run wireless company that understands what it means to serve. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Now, if you're with them, you're overpaying pure and simple. Pure Talk can easily save you over $400 a year. Unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage... They don't charge you for it. What a novelty, a company that actually puts their customers first. You can keep your phone and your number or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Just go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N, LEVINPODCAST, USA. Simply Smarter Wireless. Kelly Leffler is running for the Senate in Georgia, and if she loses, um, the country will not be the same. I don't know how else to put this. She's running against a radical, a man who has attacked the military, a man who has attacked Jews. I take that personally, of course. A man who's attacked, really, uh, many of our traditions. He's quite the radical. Uh, Kelly Leffler, how are you? I'm well, Mark. Thanks for having me in. First of all, this election is so, so important. If people want to help you, where do they go? It's kellyforsenate.com. That's K-E-L-L-Y, kellyforsenate.com. You can learn more about what we're doing in Georgia to, to hold the line here. We are the firewall. You know, we're going to make sure that we keep this country great, and uh, we're fighting hard for you. And uh, tell us what, and tell us specifically what your candidate, excuse me, what you stand for and what the opposing candidate stands for, because it really is so completely different. Well, that's right. It's a it's as stark as a contrast as it is the agenda of the left 
uh, as, as it is the, the agenda that we've enjoyed the last four years, uh, building up this country. Um, look, I'm, I've lived the American dream. I am someone, I was born and raised on a farm. I grew up working in the fields on our family farm, waitressed my way through school, had a passion for business, became successful, and um, felt like the American dream was under attack. I had a calling to public service, and I was appointed to the Senate, uh, started serving in January, and got to work with President Trump delivering uh, results for America just the way a business person does. My opposition, my candidate uh, uh, in my race, uh, Raphael Warnock, is the Stacey Abrams hand-picked candidate funded by George Soros and Tom Steyer and everyone else. Uh, he is what we call a radical's radical. Uh, Raphael Warnock, he's currently the pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, um, but he, he, his ads are running about pizza and puppies. What he has said, though, from the pulpit uh, is very anti-American. He's attacked our police officers. He called them gangsters, thugs, bullies. He called them a threat to our children. And so during our debate, I asked him if he would apologize to, to our communities and to our police officers, and he, he refused to do that. Uh, he's someone that would defund the police. Uh, at a moment in our country's history where um, most Americans agree we need the same or more policing in our communities, not less. That's just he, one item. And he'd go <laughs> along with destroying the court system, and he'd go along with destroying the Senate, and he'd go along with destroying the filibuster rule, and he'd go along with destroying the electoral college. In other words, he's way out there. He's radical left, and he may even lead in a number of these battles. Let me ask you this. On the ground... This is a very, very close election. How is the fundraising going? I know the Democrats, for all their talk about how the Republicans raise money, they raise a hell of a lot more money. How is that going? Well, it's going well. And look, we know that the Democrats are going to pour hundreds of millions of dark liberal dollars into the state of Georgia to try to take it over. Chuck Schumer was very clear. He said, if we take Georgia, we will change America. That appeals to a certain type of radical, and California and New York are flooding the state um, with funds and activists. But we are going to hold the line because Georgians are seeing exactly who Raphael Warnock is. Uh, as you mentioned, he's anti-Israel. He's called Israel an apartheid state. Uh, he welcomed Fidel Castro to his church. He's praised Jeremiah Wright. Uh, someone who said that America got what they deserved on 9-11. Uh, so he's out of step with George's values. So fundraising uh, has been going well. Um, we need to, to keep up the push, though, because we've got to get his radical message out. That's why kellyforsenate.com, you can chip in five or ten bucks. We're going to get the word out and, and make sure we also build that ground game. We are building a 1,000-person strong voter turnout organization because that's what it's going to take against the left to stop their radical agenda. And we see how unreliable, I'm just being honest, some of these election boards are and some of these election processes are, and not just in Georgia, but in many places in the country where the election processes have been changed by the Democrat Party, by Biden, by their surrogates, by Stacey Abrams, for that matter, uh, where earlier and earlier voting and later and later counting and so many of these guardrails have been removed. So you've got to turn out a hell of a lot of people. You have to build in the, uh, the fraud factor or the systemic change factor. It's just the way it is, whether the media wants to believe it or not, correct? 
That's right. And that's why I spoke out early after the primaries that we had in June, where 1,000 people in Georgia voted twice. And, you know, I asked the Secretary of State to get to work and make sure that we address those issues so that when November 3rd came, perhaps the most momentous election, and certainly in, our, in my lifetime, that we were ready for it. Well, it doesn't appear we were ready for it. And we've got to hold folks accountable. Uh, we need to make sure voters trust that legal votes only will be counted. And uh, with so much at stake on January 5th, which is the, the end of our runoff, we have to make sure these problems that we again accounted on November 3rd, where the votes weren't tallied, they took a week to count. We've got to solve that. And uh, we need accountability. And the buck stops with the Secretary of State. Yeah, well, he's awful. Now, the vote is, the actual in-person vote is January 5th. Now, it's kind of a strange day because some people aren't paying attention. You know, they they just come off the holidays and so forth. So people really do need to pay attention in Georgia. And people all over the country, Levinites, I just wanted to... I understand this is for the Georgia Senate, both races, but this is for all the marbles. So all over the country, we need to get behind these candidates. Kelly Leffler, we need to go to kellyforsenate.com. That's K-E-L-L-Y, kellyforsenate.com. It's on Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Parlor, Mark Levin Show Twitter, or just write it down. And they need as much support as they can possibly get. And if you live in Georgia, you got to volunteer and help. This really is a firewall. Now, let me ask you this, Senator. Are people really moving into the state and going to violate state law in order to vote Democrat? Well, it's a felony to violate state election law. So we are making it very clear. I've spoke to the, spoken with the attorney general about this, and they're making it very clear. If you move to Georgia just to register to vote and then you know, get out of town, um, that's a felony. And we will uh, be looking for that. And, um, you know, it's the most important thing we can do is turn our voters out to vote. And that's why we've built this extensive ground game. We're encouraging people to vote early. That way, as you point out, January 5th, kind of an odd time of year for an election, be better if everyone gets their absentee ballots, gets in line on December 14th when early voting opens to make sure that everyone knows Georgia's a red state we're going to keep it red. And look, I'm running against a candidate that says you can't serve God and you can't serve the military at the same mm-hmm. time. We're the fifth largest state for active military and veterans. Let, uh, let me just gonna... say this before we lose you with the heartbreak. Let's beat them at their own game, Georgia. Turn out early. Vote early in massive numbers. Turn out big time. All right, Senator, we wish you all the best and Godspeed. Thanks so much, Mark. Have you gotten your letter from the IRS yet? These last few years have not been easy on the American family. And with tax season finally arriving, there'll be millions of hardworking people and businesses that could struggle even more due to the IRS working against them. Well, America First Tax Group can help put an end to your worries. Just one phone call to 800-806-1299. Hello, 800-806-1299. And you'll be in touch with the America First Tax Group, a full-service tax company that'll fight the IRS and help put you on the path to financial freedom. Their experts can help you or your business with any tax-related problems you may have, from dealing with your back taxes to granting you access to tax relief and much more. Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today by calling 800-806-1299. That's 800-806-1299. 
or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Levin. Again, 800-806-1299 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash L-E-V-I-N. You're listening to Denali, the great one. The great one. And you can call in now, 877-381-3811. It's important, America, to get involved in these races in Georgia. We cannot be spectators. We must not be spectators. Honestly, I'm not asking too much of you, and you're not asking too much of yourselves to get involved in that race, to give whatever money you can. Because you have these radicals that are running ads with puppy dogs, they're eating breakfast, and they're not running on their records because they can't win on their records. You know, after eight months of the cruise industry being shut down, the CDC has issued guidelines on how cruise lines can get up and running again while protecting their guests from COVID. It's the latest recognition that the answer to this virus can't be to just shut everything down. John Berman is on CNN, and today this guy's uh, as dumb as a doorknob. And I don't like putting down doorknobs. And here he is on CNN today with his conspiracy theory. Cut one, go. The reason I ask, though, is because there's no ambiguity now about what the Trump campaign is trying to do. By the way, that's like Mr. Radio Voice. Oh, there's no ambiguity. No, about complete moron. Go ahead. Green, I failed it last hour. But Jenna Ellis, who's an attorney for the Trump campaign, stated explicitly what they are trying to do here. She says, breaking this evening, the county board of canvassers in Wayne County, Michigan, refused to certify the election results. If the state board follows suit, the Republican state legislator, I think she means legislature, but I'm not going to give her over too much credit for being able to spell. She says, we'll select the electors. Huge win for Donald Trump. She's saying their goal is to have the Republican state legislature choose the electors, ignoring the will of the people of Michigan. That's their goal. No, that's not what she was saying. And I'm glad you did your own spell check, moron. That's not what she's saying. What she's saying is the law that was in existence as a result of what the state legislature did would be the law under which the counts would take place, win, lose, or draw. And that is how the decision would be made over the electors. Not that this state legislature would step in and choose their own electors. This is the ignorant argument that continues to be made. And it's made over and over and over again. When in fact, those who are disenfranchising people are those who are changing state law and do not have the constitutional authority to do so. And then they say, count every vote under our unconstitutional changes in which we bypass the state legislature. You understand? Jocelyn Benson is Michigan's Secretary of State. She should know. Pennsylvania Secretary of State, she should know. They know exactly what they are doing. Go ahead. Boy, your reaction to their effort. Yeah, three things of note there, really. One, you know, to, to, to throw out tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of vote based on a few clerical errors would and, and ultimately was determined to be you know, a bad course of action. And, and you know, potentially no, no, that, what actually happened was there were four people on this board. 
two Democrats, two Republicans. The Republicans said it wasn't based on a few technical issues. It was based on actually a lot of, of problems. And they said, we, we, can't, we can't sign off on this. They were threatened. They were abused. They're both white. They were called the worst kinds of names. Uh, they were intimidated. And they buckled. Notice John Berman never mentioned any of that. Or Jocelyn Benson, the Michigan Secretary of State. Go ahead. Compliance or, or allowed under the law, certainly for the State Board of Canvassers to in any way do the same uh, would be in direct violation of state law. And there would be, uh, you know, I, I assume and, and certainly anticipate a court action that would swiftly follow uh, that would uh, require them to do their very clear job of certifying the results under the law. It is amazing to me how the lawbreakers talk about the law. Notice she also didn't talk about the Constitution. The Michigan State Legislature, we had the Speaker of the House on here last week. They want audits done. They want overviews done. They want to find out what took place in Michigan. But the Secretary of State is fighting them and blocking them. Cut to go. Here she is again. Uh, and then the state legislature has already set uh, the leaders in the state legislature have already confirmed publicly that they have no desire or intent to overturn the will of the people. So, you know, a lot of this is just really a strategy to erode public. Nobody said, you know, it's amazing to me. They go to court. They get fiats. They have a secretary of state who issues fiats. And then they act like they're the voice of the people. They're not the voice of the people. They're the voice of the Democrats. And she's right. The Michigan state legislature has no intention of appointing their own electors. Neither does the Pennsylvania state legislature. Neither does any legislature. Because they're arguing against something that, that's not being proposed. It's the damnest thing. The damnest thing. All right. Let's see here. Joe Biden. Joe Biden's talking about joining the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization contributed greatly to the deaths in this country. That's who Joe Biden should be pointing a finger at. It's controlled by the communist Chinese, but he's not. He believes in joining all these global institutions. The Paris Climate Plan, or deal, or whatever you want to call it, which is a, a blank check to China, India, some of the other countries that pollute very, very heavily. When it comes to carbon dioxide, number one, it's not a pollutant. I think even Professor Lessig would admit that. But it's never been a pollutant. And without it, there's no oxygen because plants need it for what we used to call osmosis. I don't even know if that's a word that's taught any, any, anymore. But the Chinese want us to join it because then we tie our own hams. The, number, the amount of carbon dioxide, as best as they can measure, that we give off in the United States is, I think I read, about 13%, give or take, of all the carbon dioxide. Climate change. Climate change. You know, I have no doubt the climate changes. But I also have no doubt that we don't have a lot of control over it. We don't have a lot of control over it. You ever hear the sun? 
It's amazing. People want to believe. They want to believe. This is a religious thing. They want to believe that there's climate change and they want to believe we can fix it. If we just all surrender our own value system, our own liberty, and adopt a new value system, something like that, then we could we can fix these things. We just put our mind to it and our hearts in it. Just surrender more and more of our liberty. That'll be fine. More and more of our of our income and taxes. We can get this fixed. The Democrats haven't fixed a damn thing in their in their entire existence. In their entire existence. And they're not going to. You're going to create more poverty. There'll be more people out of jobs, more businesses. It's like this lockdown stuff. I've gotten behind this microphone so many times I give myself a headache saying, what about the other morbidities? What about the other illnesses? What about the deaths that have taken place in this country as a result of the myopic focus of the media on this virus? And the Daily Mail, I told you a few months ago, did this big story as they analyzed all this. The huge increases in these morbidities because the huge decreases in people who are willing to go into hospitals or willing to go into doctor's offices to get checkups or even follow-ups, even people with cancer and heart disease. These are statistical facts. Statistical facts. And they keep bringing Fauci on. Fauci is responsible for one thing and one thing only, overseeing infectious diseases. Has nothing to do with hearts, has nothing to do with cancer, has nothing to do with diabetes, has nothing to do with with depression, has nothing to do with suicide, nothing to do with any of that stuff. He has no role in any of that stuff. And yet they keep bringing him on. He keeps talking about partial lockdowns. He keeps talking about these other things. Well and good. But they never bring on another expert or another scientist, as I explained to you yesterday, to confront him or debate him and even have a friendly conversation with him about how his ideas and policies have created horrific health problems in other parts of our society with other people. He's only on these shows all by himself. And then we have the fascists among us. These governors don't have Thanksgiving. Don't have Thanksgiving. I'll be right back. Lovin. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, one day only sale. Wouldn't you rather just work with a company who puts you on a pedestal every day? That's what you get with Pure Talk, a veteran-run wireless company that understands what it means to serve. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Now, if you're with them, you're overpaying pure and simple. Pure Talk can easily save you over $400 a year. Unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. What a novelty, a company that actually puts their customers first. You can keep your phone and your number or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Just go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code L E V I N Levin Podcast, Pure Talk USA, 
Simply Smarter Wireless. There is a fantastic and sadly potentially true editorial by our friends at the uh, at INI editorial board. Our pandemic lockdowns a dry run for the climate crisis. I hadn't thought about that, but they're exactly right. The lockdown hammer landed hard on California and several other states Monday. At one time, it seems absurd to think government officials' pandemic orders were a dry run for future attempts to confine and subjugate the country to mitigate global warming. It's time we rethink this. Observant and cunning politicians have gone to school since March and are now likely convinced they can use the pretext of a climate emergency to control Americans and break the back of capitalism. No, we're not likely to see the open-ended lockdowns uh, we are enduring during the uh, coronavirus outbreak. Those would be too obvious. Politicians can be sneaky sorts, so we expect something more subtle and incremental. For instance, California Governor Newsom, who clearly relishes having near-absolute control over the most populous state in the country, could issue an executive order next summer, which says beginning in January 2020, uh, 2022, all businesses except the few deemed essential must be closed every other Friday. And car travel on those days will be restricted solely to those who can demonstrate an absolute need to be on the roads. Or Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, whose pandemic lockdown rules have been among the most prohibitive, pointless, imbecilic, and have stoked efforts to impeach her, might decide she is the authority to limit the automobile miles driven each month by Michiganders, ration fuel, and dictate thermostat settings in private homes. Now, what's interesting about this on this show, in the past, I've talked about kind of similar to this, that they're going to use climate change to determine local zoning, how big homes can be, what kind of energy homes can use. They're going to use climate change to determine what kind of automobiles you can drive, how many automobiles you can have in a home, how many miles you can drive in a given month or a given year or that sort of thing. This is a very, very dangerous prospect. They said we can imagine Democratic governors limiting church attendance in the name of the environment. It's inessential, according to the belief system of the political left, which places its faith in the God of government and declares it'll have no other gods before. And thus the transformation of America will begin. They're right. I'm right. Never mind that some researchers say the economic lockdowns have had little effect on global temperatures. Temperatures are not what the global warming scare is about. The objective of climate alarmists is to regulate a free people. Take down capitalism, replace it with a collectivist economic system enforced by an all-powerful centralized government. Our fear is that though it's experienced with the pandemic lockdowns, the country through it, the country will be conditioned to just take whatever it's dished out by power-hungry officials, elected and unelected. The fact that Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, could say, quote, Now's the time to do what you're told, unquote, with minimal condemnation and no demands that he be fired as worrisome, except from me. At least Dr. Scott Atlas, a Trump coronavirus advisor, said in response to Whitmer's petty tyranny that the only way this stops is if people rise up. You get what you accept. 
Will we rise up and blue state governors rob us of our liberties in the name of protecting climate? Will we refuse to accept the decrees of the Biden-Harris administration, if there is one, when it imposes its version of the Green New Deal on the country? Outlaws automobiles that run on fossil fuel? Ban fracking, which has provided the country with clean, cheap energy and traps the U.S. in an international climate agreement that's expensive, obstructive, and at the same time useless? We don't want to be pessimists, but we're unlikely to stand up then unless we stand up now. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, A petition circulating Fox Business reports at Harvard to stop former Trump administration officials from attending, teaching, or speaking at the university. Petition circulating in the Harvard University student body seeks to ban Trump administration officials from teaching, speaking, or attending the institution because of their association with the president. Tell me, America, do you want to pay off their student loans? How about you, Mr. Producer? Bunch of snob asses like this? I don't want anything to do with them, let alone pay off their student loans. The petition discovered by Fox Business' Lydia Moynihan represented the latest attempt to punish Trump associates. Students are demanding that if the university does associate with a Trump alumnus, they'll, quote, create and share with students transparent guidelines for why. Guidelines. Guidelines. What are they teaching at Harvard? Maoism? Stalinism? Leninism? Even worse? Harvard, like other colleges, has been accused of censoring conservative viewpoints. No, 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 no. Surely not. Last year, the university came under fire for requiring a neutral so-called moderator to be present for controversial speakers. You know, kind of like Facebook and Twitter. Didn't we get whacked by Facebook and Twitter again or just Facebook, Mr. Producer? I posted a link to Doug Ross, great guy, statistician, really IT guy, who went through a number of charts, a number of models, and went through the, the kind of voting that was taking place in certain areas, questioning it, and they just said it was flat-out false, didn't they? Am I restricted? What does that mean? Oh, nobody's, And for how long will nobody see me unless they go to my page? We'll be leaving Facebook very soon, ladies and gentlemen. Please join us over at Parlor at mark levin show at parlor we're going to be i'm not kidding i'm just trying to milk them for everything they're worth the stupid bastards they let us go on their site to tell you to get off their site and come over to parlor and by the end of the year that's what we're doing maybe sooner notice that guy with his weird haircut and he looks like he's about 14 years old zuckerberg and he's there and he, he acts like we're not doing anything wrong no no we just want to make sure this side or the other you're restricted, you're censored, you're labeled. 
They've picked up a lot from the genocidal communist regime in China. They've picked up a lot of bad habits over there. Back to Harvard, where liberty isn't what it used to be either. The policy reportedly allowed the moderator to impose a two-strike rule on interruptions and had to be registered with a dean of students a month in advance. An editorial for the Harvard Crimson, a student-run newspaper, blasted the policy. You know what? The Harvard Crimson believes more in freedom of the press than most of the media in this country. And its other aspects as paternalistic, ineffective, and contrary to the college's stated goals of free speech. Let alone the Constitution, of course. Representative Alexander and others have already encouraged the creation of an apparent blacklist of people who helped President Trump during his time in office. Is anyone archiving these Trump sycophants for when they try to downplay or deny their complicity, she said? No, but we're keeping a list of your stupid remarks because you truly are low IQ. Two Democratic operatives responded by touting the Trump Accountability Project, which seeks to prevent Trump associates from profiting off of their time helping his administration. Look at what's going on, ladies and gentlemen. The fascists are on the move. Marxism, fascism, really, they have the same core, even though they apply it differently. Just look at, the, look at them. I mean, Antifa should be knocking at the door of Harvard University. The Antifa should be knocking at the door of Each if they're serious about being anti-fascist, but of course they are the fascists. And so this is part and parcel of what's going on. Now, another issue I wanted to raise. This is from our friends at Breitbart. Report. Republican senators Cornyn and Grassley, Grassley apparently has the coronavirus right now, hint at immigration deal with Joe Biden. This is how it works. Even before Biden is certified, his electors, even before he's inaugurated, even before the fat lady sings, they want a deal. They don't know how to deal. Trump knows how to deal. They don't know how to deal. I hate to say it, Pelosi knows how to fight. These guys don't know how to fight. So already they're buckling. They want a deal, which means they're going to get their asses kicked all over Capitol Hill. That's the nature of the beast. So Cornyn already and others have buckled. They want a deal. The Hill reports, quote, I think that would be a good thing to do, John Cornyn said, about the potential to do immigration next year. The challenge is you've got to get the votes, but that to me is one of my biggest disappointments in my time in the Senate, our inability to get that done. Adding that he would try to be part of the effort if the topic comes back up. Grassley said such a deal would need to be somewhere in between the vocal open borders wing of the Democrat Party and the immigration reformers of the Republican Party. They don't have to worry, do they, Mr. Producer? Didn't Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and the rest say... Basically, it's open season if people want to come in here legally. So I don't know what they plan to negotiate. Not only that, by the time they're done, they'll have free college, free health care, and they'll be treated as United States citizens. They'll eventually get citizenship. So why would the Democrats negotiate with a couple long-in-the-tooth Republicans? Certainly not in goodwill and certainly not in any uh, serious way. It's really amazing. They're ready to negotiate already when the Democrats have already said 
you know, there's going to be mass immigration into this country, including illegal immigration. In fact, Biden also said no deportations in the first hundred days. So when you're telling people all over the world, 7 billion people, 6 billion of whom live in poverty, when you're telling them, if you get here, we're not going to remove you. If you get here, free education. If you get here, free health care. If you get here, you'll be treated pretty much as a citizen. Well, then why would we have any negotiations on immigration? Biden also says he wants the people who are already here illegally to be addressed specifically and eventually to have citizenship. So we're talking about tens of millions of people. Now, why did the Democrat Party do this? 12 years ago, 15 years ago, 13, whatever it was, they strongly opposed giving citizenship to illegal aliens. They strongly supported border security. Because they were protecting their big friends in big labor. Big labor back then didn't want all these illegal immigrants here because it undermined the wages and the benefits of their members. Now, because public, se- uh, excuse me, private sector unionism is waning, Biden has two plans. One, force major corporations and then smaller corporations to unionize their workforce, whether their workforce wants it or not. Eliminate right-to-work laws where the employees actually get to choose whether they want to be union or not, and the vast majority choose not. And number two, the unions want illegal aliens to be able to work so they can be unionized and pay dues. So you always have to look into context of this. People say follow the money. That's fine. Follow the money. But the end game is power. What can empower the Democrat Party? What can empower the potentates of the Democrat Party? Whether they use race or climate change or immigration, whether they use health care, whatever it is, it all has the same purpose. I'll be right back. Mark AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Harvard Law Professor Lawrence Lessig, how are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Mark. It's a pleasure. I'm a little perplexed, though. I want to read the first paragraph of your column. The conservative radio talk show host Mark Levin has tweeted in all caps call for state legislatures, quote, get ready to do your constitutional duty. Levin believes they have, quote, the final say, unquote, on which slate of presidential electors 
gets to vote in the Electoral College. Under this theory, even more people in the state, even if more people in the state voted for the Democrat, Jim B- uh, uh, Joe Biden, their legislature would still have the power to pick a slate of Donald Trump electors. When did I say that? Well, I thought that's what people understood your tweet to be saying. People have been lying tweet. about my tweet for two weeks. And I've come on this program and I've explained that under my view, the state legislature passed election laws and the state legislature has the right to enforce its election laws that a Supreme Court in the state, that a, a secretary of state, that a governor that couldn't get what he wanted through the legislature had no right to change the laws that the legislature put in place. And from my perspective, and maybe some of the members of the Supreme Court, the votes cast under the existing election laws, not those changed by the Supreme Court and the others, is the manner in which you count and thereby choose the electors. You disagree with that? I agree with that completely. Well, that was so my point. What's, well, what's interesting is your point's been fundamentally misunderstood, not just by me. I mean, just today, uh, the president's lawyer... Forget about uh, the president. Hey, hey, hey. Arguing in the alternative, the president's lawyer, what Axios said, I have spent two weeks trying to straighten this out. You should have called me on the phone or contacted me and said, here's, here's what the Constitution says. And, Professor, you know, but I want the audience to know. The, uh, the Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2. Each state shall appoint, in such manner as the legislature there have made direct, a number of electors. What I said was, reminder to the Republican state legislatures, you have the final say over the choosing of electors. I didn't say they should select electors. They should enforce the law. They have well, the final say. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, so we agree. We agree they should not, they don't have the ability to select electors then after the election. Well, I can debate that with you, but it's law. not relevant to my point. Go ahead. What, what, okay, but, but, you know, when you say that the state legislatures have, quote, the final say, that's not true. Yes, it what is. What has the final say is the law under which the electors are selected that's but the, the law isn't the being followed but professor let's deal in reality the law they passed isn't being followed that's one of the reasons they're running it up to the supreme court and alito issued his order twice the law is not being oh. followed so somebody needs to step in and i would even go further with you and say this even the u.s supreme court doesn't have the final say the state legislature has the final say they have the right to enforce they have the right to say the decision by the state Supreme Court is null and void. The effort by the governor is lawless. Even if the U.S. Supreme Court rules against us, this is what the Constitution says. Yes? Yeah, no, I don't think that's a role of a legislature. I think the legislature gets to say what the rules are, and they have. And the Constitution says they have to have selected electors on a particular day. Uh, hold on, so wait, 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 wait. we'll rules, get to that in a minute. That wasn't my question, Professor. I'm talking about, we'll get to the, to the electors' day. My question to you, and that's not even relevant here, but I'm happy to discuss it with you. My question to you is, who has the final say? Who has the final say? The final say is the law. And so the question is how the law is applied. And the law has determined the method by which electors are okay, selected. Okay, there's a dispute over that. who has the say. Who has the final say? 
Yeah, you don't have legislatures reviewing the application of the law. That's a fundamental violation of separation of powers. No, it's not. In this case, the framers fundamentally stated the legislature shall. They didn't, they didn't have any concept of what the Supreme Court would be like it is today, or even state courts. If they didn't function that way. I went, through, I went through, Professor, the various ratification debates. I study this. I know you're the expert. I study it. And I went through Madison's notes. There is nothing here, nothing, that gives judicial review to Article 2 in this section. Zero. And they specifically name the state legislature. Why do they do that? Right. But they, they set this state legislature, they gave the state legislature the power to, quote, select the manner that the electors shall be uh, appointed. So the court um, changes, a court changes it, then what? But the selecting the manner is different from reviewing the application of the law. There is no precedent that the legislature well, gets to review the law. Right? What do you mean That's there's no precedent? There was no precedent at the time this was written. What you're saying is I'm looking at it through the lens of today. And I don't mind, you're saying, judicial activism if I get the result I want. Isn't that really what you're saying? No, I'm, I'm saying that there has never been a case in the history of America where the legislature has asserted the power to interpret its law and change or direct how electors are selected. Never what happened. I'm so what I'm saying to you, Professor, is we now have reached a point like we've never had in the history of America, where we have litigation in 40 states trying to overturn what legislatures have done over the course of the last several years. Can you name another time in American history when that's taken place? Well, there's been huge. Yeah, of course I can. You can when? you can lead to the point that around the Lochner period, there was endless litigation to overturn. I what said about how electors are chosen. There was not endless litigation over Article Two, Section One, Clause Two. There certainly True. was that's not. That's brand new. That's brand new. That's okay. a, that's a creation of this election cycle. All right. Now let let me talk about this election date, which has absolutely nothing to do with what I've been talking about. You say, well, look. There's another part of the Constitution, you're quite right, that says, look, we got to pick a date when we have these elections, right? Fair enough. When the elections are appointed, yes. We have a date when have we have elections, elections, right? Elections, right? They don't right? have to be elections. No, no, no. No, Congress determines the time of the choosing of electors. The electors can be chosen by the legislature, that's possible, or they can be chosen by an election. That, that's a choice for the legislature to make. And every legislature is chosen to select them by an election. So can Congress a court, the can a court change that, that? Sorry? Can a court change that? No, of course it can't. But a court can change the way that electors are selected. No, it can't. Okay, so you agree with me that the Pennsylvania... Hold on now. Then you, you agree with me then that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court's action was unconstitutional? No, because the question is whether it was a change or not. This is the whole ambiguity that Bush v. Gore created. Forget about Bush right. v. Gore, and I happen to agree with you. I never liked Bush v. Gore, because I thought in the end Congress would make the decision. Quite frankly, me I did. Too. Me too. You know what's interesting about you and me? You're a leftist, and I'm an originalist. And we agree on a lot of stuff, like Convention of States. I've been kind of bumping into you, but I never really have talked yeah. to you, I don't think. But I would that's, love to talk about that. That's a great idea, and I we'll do that another day. what you're trying to do. We'll do that another day. Good. The next time when you write something like this where my name's in it, I can't even count how many times. Why don't you check in with me rather than reading these crap media reports that complete one guy wrote it at Vox and I can't stop it. The next guy writes it and the yeah. next guy writes it and the next I'm going, who are they talking about? They're not talking about me.
Yeah. I this just thought I'd mention that. This is really important, uh, Mark, because um, if, it's, if we agree on this, then that's an important point to make clear to everyone that when people are pointing to you and your authority for the suggestion that the president's uh, team can get state legislatures to pick a new slate of elections. No, what I'm saying is the law that existed before the courts got involved is the law that should apply. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, America's tyranny hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Harvard professor Lawrence Lessig, actually, you could tell he's a very nice man, and the people I know who know him, and I don't know a lot, it's not in that in that respect, so he's a very good man. I think he is, too. And I'd like to bring him on in a couple minutes, to, uh, minutes, couple months to discuss some other issues, too. I think it could be actually quite enjoyable, like Convention of States and so forth. Pick out a caller, please. XM Satellite, Eric in Dayton, Ohio. Go right ahead, please. How are you doing, sir? All right, my friend. Go right ahead. I was looking today at uh, American Thinker. It's in the code. Trump won Michigan and uh, Wisconsin. Uh, I have a question about... Wait, 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 wait. What's in the code? I'm sorry. What are you talking about? Uh, there are two timestamps where in five minutes' time... All right, Biden thanks for your call. Look, look. I can't have callers who are out there just throwing stuff against the wall. There are serious issues in both those states. I don't know nothing about two timestamps. I don't want everybody calling with every idea that they're reading on the Internet. I mean, as a trained lawyer and stuff like that, I've got to have more than that. That's why I've brought serious people on this program. Sidney Powell's been on the program. Lynn Wood's been on the program. We had invited Rudy, but he had to get it quickly take a jet because the uh, hearing went later than, than typical. Nobody's arguing that in a single case. Um, so this stuff's hard enough. And one of the things the lawyers on the ground have to do, which makes it extremely time-consuming, is to vet people, to analyze what they're saying, to make sure they're on the up and up, and then persuade them to sign an affidavit, preferably not anonymously, under penalty of perjury. So you can present it to a judge. This is why I get so frustrated with these commentators. Well, that's a one-off. What do you mean it's a one-off? They're saying they saw a pattern. They're saying they saw a broad case of this and so forth. And any decent judge, particularly a trial judge, federal or state, 
would give them the opportunity to conduct some discovery or even from the bench order some discovery but that's becoming difficult to get and so that you have people on the sidelines shooting spitballs at them unless you come up with two hundred thousand ballots that's it it's over show us the evidence that's the case these are people who don't litigate or never have in any significant way or you have people who have but they've turned hollywood i'm just being honest all right mr producer who's next Wait a minute, I think I... Hold on, hold on, America. Hold on. You're able to watch this with me? Let's see here. Enter there. My God, it showed up. Let us go to Dave, Los Angeles, California, on XM Satellite. Go! Yellow, yellow. Hi, Mark. You're a hero and a patriot. Thank you. Uh, Mark, I've I've litigated for 35 years, and I I agree with you about discovery. And the one thing I wanted to to put out there is, in my view, the key to proving fraud in these five cities. It was five cities in which the Democrats claim they turned this election. And the discovery that we need now is to see the mail ballot envelopes and do the signature checks that were required in the law by the law of every one of these states. Do it now. And the, there is a remedy for that. If we find fraudulent envelopes, then ballots- first of all, you're quite right. I think I think you're sniffing down the right trail. Uh, <clears throat> except there's one problem: they 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 many of them threw away the envelopes. Well, so as a, as a as a practicing litigator, you know what that means. That means they did that intentionally. That's well, that's spoliation of evidence, Mark, as you well know, you're and exactly that would be right. a scandal. And if that. And if that is if that is true, then we need to know this. But the 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 the, the claims that there's no remedy for failure to verify mail ballots as required by law is false. Well, for there everyone, is no remedy unless a court agrees and allows the the lawyers for the campaign to pursue it. This is the problem they're having. Well, at least they should be making this record. So that there is a record for the Supreme Court ultimately to rule on. Well, the record but, for the Supreme Court is they've brought whatever affidavits they have. They're working their way up. Rudy Giuliani said, look, we're trying to get on a trail to the United States Supreme Court. So these are practice litigators. These are serious people who have spent their entire life litigating. So I agree with you. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not criticizing them. In fact, I, I'm, I've worked with them. I'm not criticizing them at all, but I want the American people to know yes. that there is a way to discover this right now through the normal civil discovery process. This record should be created. We should know how many fraudulent envelopes are out there, how many lacked signatures, how many were signed by the same person. Now let me slow you down. Now, in some states, you don't even require signature. I'm not and this, aware. And Dave, and Dave, this is what I call the institutionalization or the enshrinement of fraud. That okay. is, they've they've taken what you're talking about, what you would typically chase, right? What you would typically chase, and they've made it legal. Mark, as far as I know, in these states, the statutes require signature checks, and so as you okay, said, in Pennsylvania, then, the state supreme court ruled that. Signatures are not required. Signature matching is not required. And postal stamp dating is not required. But the, but the legislature's statute says the opposite. I know that. We've been talking about this for two weeks. 
That's right. why the matter needs to get to the Supreme Court. And then when you say, okay, they'll segregate those, and we have people say that's only 10,000 votes. Then you have equal protection arguments that are very, very important. Right, Dave? That is, if they're counting uh, in dark blue areas, they're giving them opportunities to cure their ballots, but in red areas, they're not even telling them they should cure their ballots. Again, in violation of state law that doesn't allow any curing whatsoever, that's an equal protection issue. And so... I say to people, say, well, how, where are the 100,000 ballots? I say, well, if the Supreme Court rules that that's unconstitutional, if the Supreme Court rules what the Pennsylvania Supreme Court did is unconstitutional, for all I know, it applies to several states. I don't know what every state's done, Dave, so I'm just saying. Uh, well, I, yeah. I, well, I, I will tell you that in Nevada, the statute that these corrupt legislatures enacted in August to, to completely rewrite their statute requiring all mail-out ballots in a transient, corrupt state like Nevada. Even that statute specifically required signature checks by the registrar or an employee in the registrar's office. That's the exact statutory language. There is no provision for machine checking, and they've checked those signatures in a machine. machine. And by the way, that machine is calibrated... To a 40% level, Adam Laxalt tells me, the former attorney general, 40%. Exactly. I, I, exactly. Wait a minute, I think I know who you are. I'm not going to say. Is Mort, your, is Mort your friend, my buddy Mort? Mort, Mort my buddy, our, our mutual buddy Mort there you is, go. Is, is our friend. Well, let me just I'm, say this on the air. He loves you, he speaks highly of you, and I hope you're feeling okay. May I say that to you, Dave? God bless you. Thank you so much. I, I, I really appreciate it. It is that, wonderful to so hear much. from you. It really is. You're very sharp. Well, right on. Likewise. Thank you so much. And God bless. Folks, you don't know who that is. I know who he is. He's a very, very great lawyer. He's very good. And you can tell he knows what the hell he's talking about. Let's continue, shall we? Joe. Tatawa. That's Tatawa, New Jersey. Where the hell is that? I thought I knew everything. Totowa, New Jersey. Where is that, Joe? Uh, close to Wayne, off of uh, 23. So you're kind of stuck there, you're telling me. Stuck? Yeah, I'm is, stuck. Is, is that where you want to be, in Totowa, New, New Jersey? <laughs> hey, I like Totowa, New Jersey. Taxes Tuttawa, are low. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The people are real. They were, Wait a minute. Trump, taxes are Trump, low? Uh, taxes aren't low anywhere in New in Jersey. Totowa. All right, anyway, go ahead. And, and and everybody voted for Trump. Listen, maybe, until Trump came along, maybe nobody, I'll move there. Nobody in Washington cared about the jobs for the people. And uh, even though I'm a Republican, I think these student loans should go away. They're a fraud on the on the kids. Oh come on! Most of them aren't even kids anymore. Excuse me. What do you mean they're a fraud on the kids? Now you would make them a fraud on the American people. I had nothing to do with those student loans. Why the hell should I and tens of millions of others pay for them? I mean, what's what? The, I'm saying you're not. But, you you what are. What do you mean you're not? That's the you proposal. Are, Mark. The Go reason ahead, you are is because ten years ten years ago it was a trillion dollars. Now it's a trillion seven hundred billion. What does that so have to do with be your in point? another three years? My point is it's getting worse. It's not getting better. Yeah, it's getting worse. And so your answer is everybody should pay for that. Tell me, should everybody pay for everybody's... No, they're not. Okay. 
No, they're not. Well, I'll tell you what you needs to so. be done if you're serious about this. Somebody needs to examine these colleges and universities. These tuitions are a joke. They need to stop expanding these colleges and universities. They're endlessly building all kinds of facilities. There's no oversight. Billions and billions of dollars from federal and state taxpayers are being poured into these institutions. You have tenured leftist professors, some of whom teach one course a semester, make a quarter of a million dollars a year or $150,000 a year. You got layer and layer of administration. And your answer is Joe Schmo should just pay the loans. No, I don't think so. And what if Joe Schmo now is a doctor or a lawyer? You want an electrician or plumber to pay off that loan? All right, Tatawa. I knew there was a problem. Tatawa, whatever. Thanks for your call, Matt. I'll be right back. Matt Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Nicole, Tampa, Florida, XM Satellite. How are you, Nicole? Oh, Mark, I just want to tell you that you are an inspiration to me every time I listen to you. Why? And um, I, I just, I'm a patriot. I'm, you know, obviously really upset with, with what has happened mm-hmm. to our election system. Um, and you give me hope every time I listen to you on my XM Patriot. And, of course, I'm still watching you on Fox, but... Thank you. You're, you might be one of the only ones that I'm watching on there, unfortunately. Oh, there's some good people on there, including yeah. one of my best buddies, you know, Sean Hannity's yeah. on there. Well, listen, yeah. Nicole, I want to thank you very, very much. Very kind of you. You take care of yourself. Let's continue. Caleb, St. Charles, Missouri, XM Satellite. Caleb, how are you? I'm wonderful, Mark. How are you this evening? I'm great, thank you. In the show me state, just don't show me. <laughs> you got it. So yes. I picked up one of your books off the shelf over the weekend, and I think it's something that's gone on the back burner that uh, millions of your listeners need to uh, to revisit. Um, it was the Liberty Amendments, and I think mm-hmm. this what we're going through right now more than ever demonstrates to the to the nation that we do need to revisit this convention of states idea. Uh, to repeal the 17th Amendment and giving power back to the state legislature uh, to elect senators and to require photo IDs for for voting and 
try to limit that, you know, early voting. Um, but I was very much inspired to go to the bookshelf every time I see a good Mark Levin book there. I grab Aren't it. You and uh, Liberty Amendments really, it really stood out to me. And I, I do feel like that's something that we have got to begin to revive if we're going to take our country back. You know, some of the things I do, and you're very kind, Caleb, is I'll watch things, I'll discuss things on radio and TV, and then I say, you know what, I have to explain this in more detail and try and figure out if there's any any solutions to these things. You know, you have one life to live, so you want to do whatever you can. And I'm not going to get into it. I'm working on a book now trying to deal with what I'm seeing all around us here because I feel like there's millions of us, there's millions of us that need to know exactly what's taking place why it's taking place and to try and and join together in a mass and try and affect some change and so uh, you know i don't i don't have any outsized view of myself i just feel like for my little part my little platform i've got to do what i can caleb thank you my friend take care of yourself quickly quickly let's go to ryan mcallen texas on xm satellite go ahead ryan Good evening, Mr. Levin. Thank you for taking my call, sir. Thank you. Um, I had uh, two uh, legal questions. Uh, real we quickly, have time I for one. Uh, Go. Michigan sta- okay, the Michigan state officials uh, changing their decision to certify the vote after receiving calls of being slandered as racist and what I'd yes, imagine yes, would yes. be doxing and harassment should uh, amount to coercion. We didn't or- get to the question. I can't help it, sir. I apologize. Try us tomorrow. I really mean it. I can't. I, I, you hear the music. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Again, I want to thank the people who are still fighting, the lawyers and others. We're really working hard. All these volunteers. One day I'll explain to you what they're doing out there. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. 